Chapter 20, Part 4 of the Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Alienation by Deed, Part 4. 4. A lease is properly a conveyance of any lands or tenements, usually in consideration of rent or other annual recompense, made for life, for years, or at will, but always for a less time than the lessor hath in the premises. For if it be for the whole interest, it is more properly an assignment than a lease. The usual words of operation in it are demise, grant, and to farm let, demisi, concessi, et ad firman tradidi. Farm, or fiorme, is an old Saxon word signifying provisions and it came to be used instead of rent or render, because anciently the greater part of rents were reserved in provisions, in corn, in poultry, and the like, till the use of money became more frequent. So that a farmer, firmarius, is one who held his lands upon payment of rent or fiorme, though at present, by a gradual departure from the original sense, the word farm is brought to signify the various state or land so held upon farm or rent. By this conveyance an estate for life, for years, or at will, may be created either in corporeal or incorporeal hereditaments, though livery of season is indeed incident and necessary to one species of leases, viz. leases for life of corporeal hereditaments, but to no other. Whatever restrictions by the severity of the feudal law might in times of very high antiquity be observed with regard to leases, yet by the common law, as it has stood for many centuries, all persons seized of any estate might let leases to endure for so long as their own interest lasted, but no longer. Therefore, tenant and fee simple might let leases of any duration, for he hath the whole interest. But tenant in tail, or tenant for life, could make no leases which should bind the issue in tail or reversioner, nor could a husband, seized jure uxoris, make a firm and valid lease for any longer than the term the joint lives of himself and his wife, for then his interest expired. Yet some tenants for life, where the fee simple was in abeyance, might, with the concurrence of such as have the guardianship of the fee, make leases of equal duration with those granted by tenants in fee simple, such as parsons and vicars with consent of the patron and ordinary. So also bishops and deans and such other sole ecclesiastical corporations as are seized of the fee simple of lands in their corporate right might, with the concurrence and confirmation of such persons as the law requires, have made leases for years or for life estates in tail or in fee without any limitation or control and corporations aggregate might have made what estates they pleased without the confirmation of any other person whatsoever whereas now by several statutes this power where it was unreasonable and might be made an ill use of is restrained 
and where in other cases the restraint by the common law seemed too hard, it is in some measure removed. The former statutes are called the restraining, the latter the enabling statute. We will take a view of them all in order of time. And, first, the enabling statute, 32 Henry VIII, C. 28, empowers three manner of persons to make leases, to endure for three lives or one and twenty years, which could not do so before. As first, tenant in tail, made by such leases bind his issue in tail, but not those in remainder or reversion. Secondly, a husband, seized in right of his wife, in fee simple or fee tail, provided the wife joins in such lease, may bind her and her heirs thereby. Lastly, all persons seized of an estate of fee simple in the right of their churches, except parsons and vicars, may, without concurrence of any other person, bind their successors. But then there must be many requisites observed, which the statute specifies, otherwise such leases are not binding. 1. The lease must be by indenture, and not by deed poll or parole. 2. It must begin from the making, or day of the making, and not at any greater distance of time. 3. If there be any old lease in being, it must be first absolutely surrendered, or be within a year of expiring. 4. It must be either for 21 years or 3 lives, and not both. 5. It must not exceed the term of 3 lives or 21 years, but may be for a shorter term. 6. It must be of corporeal hereditaments, and not of such things as lie merely in grant, for no rent can be reserved thereout by the common law, as the lessor cannot resort to them to distrain. 7. It must be of lands and tenements most commonly letten for twenty years past, so that if they have been let for above half the time, or eleven years out of twenty, either for life, for years, at will, or by copy of court roll, it is sufficient. 8. The most usual and customary form or rent, for twenty years past, must be reserved yearly on such lease. 9. Such leases must not be made without impeachment of waste. These are the guards imposed by the statute, which was avowedly made for the security of farmers and the consequent improvement of tillage, to prevent unreasonable abuses in prejudice of the issue, the wife, or the successor, of the reasonable indulgences here given. Next follows, in order of time, the disabling or restraining statute 1 Elizabeth C. 19, made entirely for the benefit of the successor, which enacts that all grants by archbishops and bishops, which include even those confirmed by the dean and chapter, the which, however long and unreasonable, were good at common law, other than for a term of one and twenty years or three lives from the making, or without reserving the usual rent, shall be void. Concurrent leases, if confirmed by the dean and chapter, are held to be within the exception of this statute, and therefore valid, provided they do not exceed, together with the lease in being, the term permitted by the Act. But, by a saving expressly made, this statute of 1 Elizabeth 
did not extend to grants made by any bishop to the crown, by which means Queen Elizabeth procured many fair possessions to be made over to her by the prelates, either for her own use or with intent to be granted out again to her favorites, whom she thus gratified without any expense to herself. To prevent which, for the future, the statute 1 Jacobin 1 C3 extends the prohibition to grants and leases made to the king, as well as to any of his subjects. Next comes the statute 13 Elizabeth C10, explained and enforced by the statutes 14 Elizabeth C11 and 14, 18 Elizabeth C11 and 43 Elizabeth C29, which extend the restrictions laid by the last-mentioned statute on bishops to certain other inferior corporations, both sole and aggregate. From laying all of which together we may collect that all colleges, cathedrals, and other ecclesiastical or eleemosynary corporations, and all parsons and vicars, are restrained from making any leases of their lands unless under the following regulations. 1. They must not exceed twenty-one years or three lives from the making. 2. The accustomed rent or more must be yearly reserved thereon. 3. Houses in corporations or market towns may be let for forty years, provided they are not mansion houses of the lessors, nor have above ten acres of ground belonging to them, and provided the lessee be bound to keep them in repair, and they may also be aliened in fee simple for lands of equal value in recompense. 4. Where there is an old lease in being, no concurrent lease shall be made unless where the old one will expire within three years. 5. No lease, by the equity of the statute, shall be made without impeachment of waste. 6. All bonds and covenants tending to frustrate the provisions of the statutes 13 and 18 Elizabeth shall be void. Concerning these restrictive statutes, there are two observations to be made. First, that they do not, by any construction, enable any persons to make such leases as they were by common law disabled to make. Therefore, a parson or vicar, though he is restrained from making longer leases than for twenty-one years or three lives, even with the consent of the patron and ordinary, yet is not enabled to make any lease at all so as to bind his successor without obtaining such consent. Secondly, that though leases contrary to these acts are declared void, yet they are good against the lessor during his life, if he be a sole corporation, and also good against an aggregate corporation so long as the head of it lives, who is presumed to be the most concerned in interest. For the act was intended for the benefit of the successor only, and no man shall make an advantage of his own wrong. There is yet another restriction with regard to college leases by statute 18 Elizabeth C6, which directs that one-third of old rent then paid should be for the future reserved in wheat or malt, reserving a quarter of wheat for each six shillings, eight pence, or a quarter of malt for every five shillings, or that the lessees should pay for the same according to the price that wheat and malt should be sold for in the market next adjoining to the respective colleges on the market day before the rent becomes due. 
This is said to have been an invention of Lord Treasurer Burley and Sir Thomas Smith, then Principal Secretary of State, who, observing how greatly the value of money had sunk and the price of all provisions risen by the quantity of bullion imported from the newfound Indies, which effects were likely to increase to a greater degree, devised this method for upholding the revenues of colleges. Their foresight and penetration has in this respect been very apparent, for though rent so reserved in corn was at first but one-third of the old rent, or half of what was still reserved in money, yet now the proportion is nearly inverted, and the money arising from the corn rents is communibus annus, almost double to the rents reserved in money. The leases of beneficed clergymen are further restrained in case of their non-residence by statutes 13 Elizabeth C. 20, 14 Elizabeth C. 11, and 18 Elizabeth C. 11, which direct that, if any beneficed clergyman be absent from his cure above fourscore days in any one year, he shall not only forfeit one year's profit of his benefice to be distributed among the poor of the parish, but that all leases made by him, the profits of such benefice, and all covenants and agreements of like nature shall cease and be void, except in the case of licensed pluralists who are allowed to demise the living, on which they are non-resident, to their curates only, provided such curates do not absent themselves above forty days in any one year. And thus much for leases, with their several enlargements and restrictions. 5. An exchange is a mutual grant of equal interests, the one in consideration of the other. The word exchange is so individually requisite and appropriated by law to this case that it cannot be supplied by any other word or expressed by any circumlocution. The estates exchanged must be equal in quantity, not of value, for that is immaterial, but of interest, as fee simple for fee simple, a lease for twenty years for a lease for twenty years, and the like. And the exchange may be of things that lie either in grant or in livery. But no livery of season, even in exchanges of freehold, is necessary to perfect the conveyance, for each party stands in the place of the other, and occupies his right, and each of them hath already had corporal possession of his own land but entry must be made on both sides, for if either party die before entry, the exchange is void for want of sufficient notoriety. And so also, if two parsons, by consent of patron and ordinary, exchange their preferments, and the one is presented, instituted, and inducted, and the other is presented and instituted, but dies before induction, the former shall not keep his new benefice because the exchange was not completed, and therefore he shall return back to his own. For if, after an exchange of lands or other hereditaments, either party be evicted of those which were taken by him in exchange, through the defect of the other's title, he shall return back to the possession of his own, by virtue of the implied warranty contained in all exchanges. 6. A partition is when two or more joint tenants, co-parsoners, or tenants in common, agree to divide the land so held among them in severalty, each taking a distinct part. Here, 
as in some instances there is a unity of interest, and in all a unity of possession, it is necessary that they mutually convey and assure to each other by the several estates which they are to take and enjoy separately. By the common law, co-parsoners, being compelable to make partition, might have made it by parole only, but joint tenants and tenants in common must have done it by deed, and in both cases the conveyance must have been perfected by livery of season. And the statutes of 31 Henry VIII C1 and 32 Henry VIII C32 made no alteration in this point. But the statute of frauds 29 Charles II C3 hath now abolished this distinction and made a deed in all cases necessary. These are the several species of primary or original conveyances. Those which remain are of the secondary or derivative sort which presuppose some other conveyance precedent, and only serve to enlarge, confirm, alter, restrain, restore, or transfer the interest granted by such original conveyance, as 7. Releases, which are a discharge or conveyance of a man's right in lands or tenements to another that hath some former estate in possession. The words generally used therein are remised, released, and forever quit claimed. And these releases may inure either 1. by enlarging an estate or enlarger de estate, as if there be a tenant for life or years remainder to another in fee, and he in remainder releases all his right to the particular tenant and his heirs, this gives him the estate in fee. But in this case, the releasee must be in possession of some estate for the release to work upon. For if there be a lessee for years, and, before he enters and is in possession, the lessor releases to him all his right in the reversion, such release is void for want of possession in the releasee. 2. By way of passing an estate, or mitur el estat, as when one of two co-parsoners releaseth all her right to the other, this passeth the fee simple to the whole. And in both these cases there must be a privity of estate between the relessor and relessee. That is, one of their estates must be so related to the other as to make but one in the same estate in law. 3. By way of passing a right, or mitur de le right, if a man be deceased and releaseth to his deceaser all his right, hereby the deceaser acquires a new right, which changes the quality of his estate and renders that lawful which before was torturous. 4. By way of extinguishment, as if my tenant for life makes a lease to A for life, remainder to B and his heirs, and I release to A, this extinguishes my right to the reversion, and shall inure to the advantage of B's remainder as well as of A's particular estate. 5. By way of entry and fiefment, as if there be two joint deceasers, and the deceasee releases to one of them, he shall be sole seized, and shall keep out his former companion, which is the same in effect as if the deceasee had entered and thereby put an end to the deceasing, and afterwards had enfeefed one of the Caesars in fee. And hereupon we may observe that when a man has in himself the possession of lands, 
he must, at the common law, convey the freehold by fiefment and livery, which makes a notoriety in the country. But if a man has only a right or a future interest, he may convey that right or interest by a mere release to him that is in possession of the land. For the occupancy of the releasee is a matter of sufficient notoriety already. 8. Confirmation is of a nature nearly allied to release. Sir Edward Coke defines it to be a conveyance of an estate or right in essay, whereby voidable estate is made sure and unavoidable, or whereby a particular estate is increased. And the words of making it are these, have given, granted, ratified, approved, and confirmed. An instance of the first branch of the definition is, if tenant for life leaseth for forty years, and die during that term, here the lease for years is voidable by him in reversion. Yet, if he hath confirmed the estate of the lessee for years before the death of the tenant for life, it is no longer voidable, but sure. The latter branch, or that which tends to the increase of a particular estate, is the same in all respects with that species of release which operates by way of enlargement. 9. A surrender, sur sum redito, or rendering up, is of a nature directly opposite to a release. For, as that operates by the greater estates descending upon the less, a surrender is the falling of a less estate into a greater by deed. It is defined a yielding up of an estate for life or years to him that hath the immediate reversion or remainder, wherein the particular estate may merge or drown by mutual agreement between them. It is done by these words, hath surrendered, granted, and yielded up. The surrenderer must be in possession, and the surrenderee must have a higher estate in which the estate surrendered may merge. Therefore, tenant for life cannot surrender to him in remainder for years. In a surrender, there is no occasion for livery of season, for there is a privity of estate between the surrenderer and the surrenderee. The one's particular estate and the other's remainder are one and the same estate, and livery, having been once made at the creation of it, there is no necessity for having it afterwards. And, for the same reason, no livery is required on a release or confirmation in fee to tenant for years or at will, though a freehold thereby passes, since the reversion of the relessor or confirmer and the particular state of the relessee or confirmee are one and the same estate, and where there is already a possession, derived from such a privity of estate, any farther delivery of possession would be vain and nugatory. 10. An assignment is properly a transfer, or making over to another, of the right one has in any estate, but it is usually applied to an estate for life or years. And it differs from a lease only in this, that by a lease one grants an interest less than his own, reserving to himself a reversion. In assignments, he parts with the whole property, and the assignee stands to all intents and purposes in the place of the assignor. 11. A defeasance is a collateral deed 
made at the same time with the fiefmen or other conveyance, containing certain conditions upon the performance of which the estate then created may be defeated or totally undone. And in this manner, mortgages were in former times usually made. The mortgagor, in fiefing the mortgagee, and at the same time executing a deed of defeasance, whereby the fiefment was rendered void on repayment of the money borrowed at a certain day. And this, when executed at the same time with the original fiefment, was considered as part of it by the ancient law, and therefore only indulged. No subsequent secret revocation of a solemn conveyance executed by livery of season being allowed in those days of simplicity and truth. Though, when uses were afterwards introduced, a revocation of such uses was permitted by the courts of equity. But things that were merely executory, or to be completed by matters subsequent, as rents of which no season could be had till the time of payment, and so also annuities, conditions, warranties, and the like, were always liable to be recalled by decisences made subsequent to the time of their creation. End of chapter 20, part 4